Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Gagolasso Weekend Recap with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. We talk the FA Cup, Serie A, Bundesliga, the Premier League, Liga, A, and so much more. There is discussion about Hansi Flick and Bayern Munich, Americans in Europe this weekend. And of course, that conversation, that's hot topic right now, the Super League, as we discuss with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Gagolasso Weekend Recap begins right now. Kegolasso listeners, I wanted to let you know about what's on CBS Sports HQ this week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is your home to start your sports news day with live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. And HQ is always your home ahead of the evening's action with the live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world at 6 p.m. Eastern. But as we get closer to the NFL draft, leave HQ on all day for the latest NFL news, rumors, and mock drafts ahead of round one on April 29. Think of HQ as your ultimate NFL draft war room. So check out HQ on your computer on cbsports.com or via the sports app, the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or TV. It's always free. It's always on CBS Sports HQ. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Gego Lasso, our weekend recap. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, brother? What's up, guys? Everybody listening, how are you doing? How's your weekend? Hopefully good. It was good. It was good. Oh, you're asking everybody. All well, right. you you as well. That starts with you. Yes. <laughs> I, I had a good one. I know you That's guys did because we're going to talk about it. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of action. Heath Pierce, how are you, brother? Doing good, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Very, very no, Modesto. Very yeah, Modesto. I, I, I'm inspired by Luis's uh, voice work, so I'm just trying some new things, you know. I love it. Let's bring one every week. I think that's the way to do it. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Weekend Recap. Que go lasso. A lot of action to talk about uh, these last two, even two and a half days uh, of domestic based action and so forth. But Let's begin uh, with what everybody's talking about, the hot topic, you know, the hot topic, the European Super League. Uh, if you uh, follow the game, but for some reason are living under a rock and you don't know what's going on, uh, basically uh, a number of clubs from around Europe, including England, uh, Italy, Spain, the major clubs are in talks to launch uh, what is around a $6 billion Super League planned to start in time for the 2023-2024 season. Sources from everywhere, including our own CBS Sports, have been discussing it. You can go to cbsports.com to talk to see it and everything. And it's basically 
this uh, creation with uh, Real Madrid is in there, Atletico Madrid, uh, six clubs, the top six from England, including Manchester United and Tottenham and Arsenal, um, as well as Italian clubs discussing creating their own league, which would basically be they leave the Champions League and obviously that uh, that affects their domestic league and they would play midweek, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's a creation that's uh, supported by JP Morgan and, and other execs, et cetera. So obviously this has been the talk of the town uh, on Twitter, et cetera, and reaction from all over. Boris Johnson has talked about it. Emmanuel Macron from France has talked about it. You know, and obviously UEFA making their own statement, which you can read, of course, completely condemning it. And also in partnership, in alliance with every football association from La Liga to uh, uh, the Premier League, etc. The French and German teams reportedly uh, said no already. PSG didn't want to do it, etc. So anyway, you can read way more about it, but this is the discussion. So we have to begin here because as we're taping, it's still a developing news. And we wanted to get some more context and more opinion. Uh, so, Jimmy, let's begin with you. European Super League. Talk to me, man. Uh, what are your thoughts? Okay, so where I'll start is this sport for me, what makes it special is its inclusivity. Everybody has the, the ability to play. And what I love about it on an individual basis is that you can be any size or shape and play this game, right? You can be cute as a button like Andre Siniesta and, and ball it up and be one of the best players in the world. Or you can be Peter Crouch and be like eight feet tall and, and, and still have success, right? And I think that's what's so beautiful about the game. You can be from anywhere. It's a, it's a universal language. Uh, and that's what I love about it as well. This feels exclusive. This feels like we're going to take our ball and we don't like how UEFA plays and these rules and we're going to do what we want. There's an element of that that I understand where those owners are coming from, from a little bit, a little bit. I'm not a billionaire, so I can't really speak to that part of it. But they don't like potentially how things are being run. And there's been obviously a lot of talk for people that are unaware. We actually haven't brought it up on, on, the, on the pod because I think we wanted to know more about how it was going to flesh out. But the reform to, to the Champions League and how they wanted to take away group stages and have a Swiss format so that you'd have 40 teams that come in and everybody plays 10 games throughout the season. And then it kind of trickles down from there. Whoever the top ones, they play each other, blah, 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 blah. And it was going to the, the, the of the 36 spots, those would have to be earned just like they are now. But there'd be four extra ones that were based on history to get into this new Champions League reform. And people are like, what? That doesn't have anything to do with sporting merit. That has everything to do with like your past success from years and years and years ago to get your, your UEFA coefficient. And I don't want to bore you guys with that, those details. But Everything was starting to be agreed upon in certain areas from what I understand. And then this announcement came and blindsided everybody. And now people are pissed. And now they're going to say, oh, well, well, UEFA is like, well, if those players and your teams want to go do that. They're not allowed to play in any Euros. They can't play for FIFA National World Cup stuff. Nothing. So it's really becoming a bit of a poker game or maybe the cards are, are, are out on the table and people are just upset. I feel like these clubs are putting pressure on UEFA to, to reform in a way that obviously benefits them in some capacity, but, but I just don't want to lose that inclusivity. And, and I love the competitions that have that inclusivity, that, that think about the smaller teams that don't have a chance. I mean, if, if this super league existed, we would never have a Leicester city winning, right. Which is one of the most magical sports in history. We would never have that moment. And so I'm not saying that I know the champions League's the creme de la creme, but but I don't know. I, th I feel like this was forcing UEFA's hand 
to do something different. I don't think the Super League thing is going to happen. I feel like it's a little bit of a rinse and repeat. The big clubs are upset how UEFA is running things. We're going we're gonna to whip them in place. We're going to make sure that we still have a little bit of control as individual clubs. Let's all band together, force the hand a little bit, get the reforms or at least find some compromise that benefits all of us or get, helps us a little bit more. And then after this, you know, three or four or five, six years, hey, by the way, we're going to do the Super League thing again. And, you know, they kind of just, it's all about control and power. And it's its a little frustrating because it's never really, the little guy never really gets looked at and, and thought of in a, in a meaningful way. So so I don't know, that's that's where I am with this. <laughs> no, I think it's a, it's a valid point. And you mentioned Leicester City. I mean, you know, Champions League is Atalanta, right? I think they're a good example yep, yep. Well, or others as well. Or look at what West Ham are doing, et cetera. Some really good pieces from all over the web, by the way, including CBS Sports. Jonathan Johnson, et cetera, but also Jonathan Liu from The Guardian, really nice stuff. Miguel Delaney, Gary Neville, Heath Pierce on, um, on Sky Sports uh, was very uh, passionate about this, talking very much the points that Jimmy was talking about just now, inclusivity and, and, you know, just feeling like, you know, this is at the end of the day about including everybody based on what you earned, right? Uh, on the pitch, not anywhere else. What are your thoughts, Heath Pierce, on this? I think this is just bargaining chips, right? I think they want to horse trade this for something else, as Jimmy mentioned. I think we've seen quickly the statements and the condemnation of forming a league, right? I don't want people to get it lost and feel like everything else that they were supporting was this super pure, beautiful thing, but it was inclusive, right? There, it, It's all built on revenue and, and, and driving successful businesses, but ultimately it was inclusive or is inclusive at the moment. This super league of... um teams, it, it just wouldn't happen. And you've seen by everybody saying, okay, fine, you go there, everything else is closed. We've seen this with lawsuits, you know, um, in the US, for example, when when other government, when other bodies want to come into the US and have these, you know, tournaments or bring official competitions from other leagues, it's, it's a very complex thing, right? Um, and so I think this is just the bargaining chip, as Jimmy mentioned, I think, uh, of just saying, hey, we want more power. If you look at most of these teams, uh, Barcelona is, is an example of, of carrying a, a ton of this debt, right? And uh, they get the lion's share of most TV contracts. They're maxed out domestically, which is why everybody is saying, we need to get to the US. We need a US office. We need, a, we need a, 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 an office in China. We need and all of these like emerging soccer markets. Um, and then I think this is just another step in, in the sort of um, in, in, in the journey of these super clubs to get more power or try to get more power, um, which I don't agree with. I, I, I think I, I understand where they're coming from. I understand that, that they put a lot at risk as well. However, like you said, you lose out on your Leicester city stories, you lose out on all these things, but I'm not too stressed about what's going to come of this. Um, having said that, I never thought we'd have a winter world cup. You know, like that's a good that was point. one where I was like, oh, you know, even just wait a year, they'll have to change it. Wait a year, they'll have to change it. And 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 change happened, right? And I mean, change never happened in that context, but it did happen in the fact that it's going to happen in the winter, which nobody would have ever bought into or believed this thing that's so old could could be just moved like that to to you know uh, satisfy a, a nation that in the summer is too hot to play. Um, so there is a little bit of that fear in my head, but I think for the most part, this is a bargaining chip to allow these teams to have more leverage and power. Um, and I think this will go away again and it'll come back as we get closer. What did they say? 23, 24 season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it'll come back again. and It'll just be this leveraging thing as you head towards an ultimate agreement or, or whatever um, to continue building. Cause, cause think about, 
the teams that finished fourth, fifth, or whatever in the Premier League that or fifth in the Premier League that don't get into Champions League, and then see the, some of the teams that go in, you go, hey, that doesn't seem fair. We're better than them. We have more resource than them. We provide a better product for the tournament itself, but we have to wait. So you can see how there's like this kind of middle area that's missing out in terms of quality over quality, but this exclusive like cool kids only club, um, I don't think will ever work, especially with the statements we've seen of everybody saying, hey, you do this, everything else is done. The players have a consequence. The team has a consequence. The league has a consequence and you're not welcome anywhere else around here. And I, I just don't see that being um, manageable. Yeah, I think a rinse and repeat sort of uh, idea here is is what's happening. And by the way, uh, European Super League uh, wanted to correct themselves. They didn't invite Tottenham. They just wanted to invite Harry Kane. Everybody <laughs> else. Uh, listen, but if you have comments or questions about this, uh, tweet us, right? Heath Beers, Jimmy Conrad, LMA Echegaray, and Gego Lasso Pod. That's the most important one. And leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, we're on Spotify as well. When we come back, we will talk about what's really important. What's on the pitch? Stay right here. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Que golazo. Weekend recap. All right, let's talk about, as Jimmy says, some soccer balls, baby. Let's talk about what's happening on the pitch. And we begin with the FA Cup. And it's set. The final is set. Chelsea against Leicester City. Chelsea took care of business against Man City on Saturday, while Leicester City beat Southampton on Sunday. Jimmy Conrad... Thomas Tuchel's train continues to roll. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Uh, I'll be honest, it wasn't the most exciting game, mm -hmm. but Tuchel would care a damn. What do you make of it? 
Well, yes, I agree with your sentiments, Luis. I feel like I want all 90 of those minutes of my life back. However, I did experience it, and I am now a bigger fan of Thomas Tuchel. He finds ways to have success, and yes, that might not be very aesthetically pleasing, but it is pragmatic, and it got them into a final as they try to win their ninth FA Cup in their history. Uh, this is the, only the second loss in 19 games for Thomas Tuchel, which is pretty impressive, and he's beaten a lot of big names along the way. Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp. Um, geez, there's a whole bunch of other ones I can't even think of at the top of my head. But he's also the first German <laughs> enough, manager. I think. <laughs> yes, that's all I needed to say with those two. Yeah. Ta Ta he's the first German manager to ever get into an FA Cup final. That's a big deal. 14 clean sheets in those 19 games as well. Something I wanted to add to the list. And there's something about the belief that I think is in this team. And I think defensively, they got it pretty figured out. Attacking-wise... You know, yeah, we could probably say something about Zach Steffen having better positioning there. I do want to say in defense of Zach Steffen, Ederson makes these types of mistakes all the time. That's the number one goalkeeper. He almost cost him a leg one against Borussia Dortmund when he probably should have got a card or got something for that Jude Bellingham goal that got called the other way. So I feel like there was a little bit of heavy heaviness about Zach Steffen when Mike Ederson makes mistakes like this all the time. Plus, Man City's his team. I mean, they, they needed one goal to just get a draw. They needed one goal to win. You, you, I just, I was pretty surprised actually that that was, uh, that they got uh, shut out, frankly. Um, and I thought that Chelsea were excellent on the, on the defensive side of the ball and they're just getting a little bit cleaner and sharper on the attacking side of the ball. And that should be very scary for their opponents moving forward. And we could see a repeat of this semifinal in the champions league final, which would be pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I, I really hope not. Uh, just, <laughs> uh, Heath, Heath Pierce, uh, what do you make of it? I, again, to Jimmy's point, Thomas Tuchel, 14 clean sheets. Uh, just a very commanding performance against the Manchester City, who is not looking great these last three weeks. Yeah, I, I would say the thing that was surprised, it continues to be surprising, right, is, is we, give, we give players credit often when they move to a different country and take a risk and do something different, right? Thomas Tuchel is doing that for a manager. People forget, like, it's not just yeah. culturally uh, a new team, a new league, a new style of play, a new type of opponent, uh, completely different uh, than his other experiences, I think is deserves a lot of credit for continuing to do this. The other thing I want to say, Timo Werner was fantastic. And for a guy who can't get a sniff right now, I don't know if this is just a temporary thing that everybody's like, I'm going to run as hard as I can until the end of the season and figure out my future or whatever, but... But Ziyech, uh, you know, uh, was fantastic. Mason Mount playing higher up was 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 really good in the attack. Like, just this constant rotation of players, and call it squad rotation or call it just tinkering with the lineup. He still seems to be getting a lot out of out of these guys, and that's hard to do. Like we've seen Pulisic. This is the best I've seen Pulisic um, since he got to like his early days at Chelsea. But like, mm -hmm. kind of had these windows. His best days at at Dortmund. This is this is the Pulisic, right? And. He's just got, come back into form and has his confidence. And, and as they continue to rotate these players, it's, it's really impressive to see Timo Werner in a big moment, in a big match to prove himself after it's, it's easy with this many egos and this many guys on the wages that they're on to just like kind of, you know, kick back and be like, you know what? Fine. Uh, you don't want me. I don't want you. I'll just, I'll just be done until the transfer window and we'll figure it out. Uh, but he, he seems to have this, I don't know. Everyone seems to be buying in. I know it's not hard to buy in, in a semifinal. I can get you to a final of a major trophy and you're playing against a team that you've now eliminated from having four trophy opportunities. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's pretty impressive. But it is hard to try and do that to one, when you replace a manager who really gave you 
not much when it came to confidence or whatever. I mean, one of the big differences I see between Chelsea now with Tuchel and with Lampard is that when they didn't have the ball with Lampard, they were kind of like all over the place. They were a little like insecure, sort of uh, not uh, confident of their own standards. Thomas Tuchel has given them this resiliency. And to Jimmy's point earlier about like just being so good defensively against Man City, they were like, all right, bring it. What do you have? Like, we'll, we'll completely contain you and then we'll counter. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, Christian Pulisic's uh, offside goal, you know, that was a good example of that. Had had he been just offside, et cetera, you know, it would have just been a perfect example of how Chelsea do this under Tuchel. It's like he's, he's fine being a possession-heavy manager, but he's also fine being a manager that doesn't have the ball. And that, they're just confident in their own skin. And that's the biggest thing, Jimmy, I think. I think that, and I probably said this, I don't know how many times on the pod, but defending is a lost art. And I think that Tuchel came in and gave the team an identity. He put them in a formation that actually played to their strengths. And he brought in some guys that were on the fringes of Frank Lampard, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, certain to a certain extent. And those guys... That was great as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And they're just... You're good grizzled veterans. You put good guys that have a ton of experience in front of a young goalkeeper still, who's a very good goalkeeper, but still a young goalkeeper in Mendy. And then you also have one who's been mistake prone, not losing some confidence in Keppa, who has got four clean sheets in five FA Cup games, by the way. He talked about being on display and trying to hopefully win a cup and be the Emmy Martinez this time around and being the backup goalkeeper to win a major trophy for their club. I think he'll probably be on the move. I don't think he wants to be a backup. So he needs to show well in this one. So he's motivated. But I just think from a from a formation standpoint, Tuchel came in right away and he got a 0-0 draw in his first game when he took over Chelsea. And yeah. it wasn't pretty, very similar to kind of what we just saw. He put those guys in good starting positions to make plays and they got the result. And from that point, he's now been able to tinker. All right, listen, this is how we're going to, these are our starting positions. This is how we're going to move. This is probably where we can create numerical advantages when we transition. And not only do you have that, you got N'Golo Conte, who was excellent uh, against Man City as well, Jorginho. Two very good players sitting in front of that back three. You got your wingbacks, Chilwell and Reese James, or whoever it may be out wide. And it just makes sense to this team. Do they lack a little bit going forward? They do, but they're still getting results and enough results that's going to get that buy-in that Heath was talking about, that they're having the success and it feels good. And they have an identity moving forward and something to build off of a foundation. And I think that's where Frank Lampard lost his way a little bit because they didn't have, they had ideas and they had uh, a lot of talented players but it just didn't seem like there was that consistent thing to fall back on, which is gets me back to my original point about defending being a lost art. Everything starts from good team shape defensively, because when you win the ball, then you know where everybody else is going to be standing around you. And that allows you to transition in a more meaningful way. And it didn't feel like Frank Lampard had that per se. They were so focused on other things. And I think that Tuchel came in and kind of started from that standpoint. And then they can build off of that foundation. And now we're seeing the fruits of that labor. Yeah, absolutely. And they will face Leicester City, who make the EFA Cup final for the first time since 1969. A really good achievement from them. Brendan Rodgers, don't take anything away from his side. Still in a Champions League spot in an FA Cup final. It should be a really good one. A really good final. All right, let's move on here because there's still so much to discuss. I want to talk now about this really good weekend for Americans, guys. Uh, Christian Pulisic, we talked about. Right. Uh, played well as in an FA Cup final once again. Serginho Dest winning Copa del Rey. He was in line trying to take a photo with Messi at the end with the trophy. That was important for him. Uh, Gio Reyna with an absolute banger for Borussia Dortmund. And I'm sure I've missed some others, but pretty good weekend, uh, Heath Pierce. 
Yeah, overall, really good weekend. I think the the, the one that that caught me uh, the most is Giorena. Um, just, I mean, obviously, Copa del Rey, fantastic. But uh, Giorena's impact on the game for Dortmund was what we saw early on in the season between uh, him and Holland, just a special connection of being able to find each other and staying much more connected the way he drove drives with the ball. He was he actually drifted out to the left a little bit in this match where he was driving inside really comfortably and then also on the right obviously where he's where he's usually playing, but just another one where you see just sort of that the potential of this guy. We saw him when he came in with the national team. He was a little bit like off the pace of how everybody else was playing in and out of the team at Dortmund. Obviously, I don't know if he's 17 or 18 years old now what age he is, but like um either way he's young. Yeah. Yeah, still so young, but again, that ability to bounce back, this quality that they have, it's not like 18. we're not, yeah, we're 18. It's, it's insane. Like, we're not seeing this in like flashes of like, oh, we hope some, we're like, we're seeing it, we're seeing growth of these super young players step into these big games like today where Dortmund are fighting for a, a, a Champions League spot and, and really deliver, I think is, uh, yeah, the most impressive for me uh, this weekend. Yeah. What about you, uh, Jimmy? Where, where was your focus uh, this weekend? Well, I'm always, you know, got an eye on all the Americans. Daryl DK, unfortunately, didn't get a goal this week against Coventry as they lost 2-0, his Barnsley team. Weston McKinney, I thought was very good for Juve against Atalanta, even though they lost that one, Juve. So they're still in fourth because Inter Napoli drew. There's, we can get into the table there pretty crazy at the moment. And also in France, crazy table there too. But what I'll say is... I was really impressed uh, the most with Sergio Dest. I mean, to be a part of a team with Barcelona, to win the Copa del Rey, he looks more and more comfortable. Every time I see him play, you can just see him more and more relaxed, feeling that he's trusted by his teammates when he's trying to ultimately be, and why wouldn't you be, like the right side of Jordi Alba? Because Messi's always looking for Jordi Alba on the left side. They combined once again for a goal in this one. Jimmy, let, think, me, Jimmy let me ask yeah, you this real in. quick. Uh, with Sergio Dest, do you think he could... Do you think he can be a top-level player in a back four? Or does he need to be a, a wingback where he, he has that type of cover? Like, that's my biggest concern with him thinking selfishly about the national team is, like, he is right where he needs to be. Um, one step higher. His starting point is higher. He has a little bit more, like, a, in transition, you lose the ball or whatever. He's just in completely different places. Do you think he can be a world-class fullback? My immediate answer is... No, given how I think you're phrasing this question. I, I think we had similar conversations about Fabian Johnson in the, the previous iteration under Jurgen Klinsmann, where he was probably better as a wingback than as a straight-up fullback, as you're describing. I think Serginho's death in instincts are to go forward, look to combine, to, to join the attack in a meaningful way, try to whip in crosses or whatever it can to, to, to exploit those, those, uh, the width and, and to create numerical advantages that wide, of course. I think that's where his instincts are. So it'd be weird to, and we saw him. I mean, we, I guess my main point is I think about killing Mbappe, the leg one against PSG in the, in the champions league. And he showed him a bit. Yeah, he oh. did. He did. And, and we were like, well, he's been exposed on the national team too, though. He's been he his, his debut with the national team and a couple others. He's been exposed. Defensively. Yes. Because he, he, his, that's not where his instincts are, you know? And I think that takes time. Um, and, and, you know, we look at Marcelo, we look at Danny Alves, we look at these other guys. Were, were they really good fullbacks? Probably not. They're always just been amazing wingbacks, and you hope. Even Jordi Alba. Like, I see that guy make defensive mistakes all the time, but 
because Barcelona is so good and they keep the ball so much, he doesn't get as exposed as unless, you know, if he's sitting on a team where he had to sit back behind the ball the whole time, that'd be different. So no, my short answer, my initial instinct is no, but can he evolve into that? Yes. It's just a matter of whether he wants us to make that commitment to it. We've seen it with DeMarcus Beasley. Let's use another American who was a winger, out and out winger. Then he kind of moved to wing back. Then he went to straight fullback. And he learned how to survive and play for many, many years and in four World Cups because he had the ability to adapt. And that's a credit to Beast, who's a tremendous player in person. But, but, and I'm not to say Serginho can't, but he's obviously still young in his career. So we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't know where you put him right now at the national team. That could be your follow-up. But probably not the back line if we have somebody who's a little bit more adept in the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, well, the two T's are on his side: time and talent. I mean, he's got, he's got, he's got, he's got, got everything. He's got spades. Yeah. So that's fine. And and he's a Copa del Rey champion with Lionel Amazing. Messi. Not Amazing. too, not too shabby. All right, listen, let's move on, guys. I want to uh, shift to the Bundesliga for a second. Bayern Munich wins three two. Uh, Musiala got a brace in that one. Chupa Moting once again against Wolfsburg. It was a really fun game. But the biggest talking point here is that Hansi Flick at the end afterwards was basically, yeah, basically asked Bayern Munich to finish this uh, beautiful but uh, soon-to-be-done relationship because I, I want to think about different things. He didn't specifically mention the German national team, I believe. I think he was asked that, but he didn't really give that much more content, but I think that's where everything is heading. So what are your thoughts on that, Heath Pierce? Yeah, I I think it was uh, Mueller who said, or not, uh, Neuer who had said that we still needed to, we still need to like let it sink in, even though I don't think it was a giant secret that he was going to be. Yeah, they knew. Also, yeah. Also, how German is the word terminate the contract? Like, to terminate, <laughs> like it's the most German league word ever. Instead of being like, yeah, we're going to, he wants to cancel it or whatever. They're like, you know, he's going to terminate his contract early. Uh, but Look, I, I think it, obviously he gave a little bit of that like uh, sp sprinkle of, uh, you, you know, there is this uh, DFB job that, you know, might be attractive. But outside of that, I haven't really thought about my future. Um, and it, it, look, I, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting thing for people who maybe are not aware of how the dynamics of clubs work, right? There is constant power struggles in these clubs. They've been as successful as they've ever been when he's around. Yet somehow with uh, uh, Sali Salihimovic, I think his name is. Um, yep. There is tension or alleged tension, right? There is always tension with the board on, okay, where are we now? Oh, we're winning everything, but this isn't the club we want to be. This isn't the style we want to play. You know, Hansi Flick probably wants budget to spend in transfer windows or whatever the reasons are. It's really complicated. And to be able to put all of that aside as they get results and then get to a point where you're like, eh, I think I've had enough. Uh, is is it's a uh, yeah? It's just it's surprising because you never expected in a year that they're going to go with the seven points clear in the Bundesliga right now. Uh, Leipzig drew over the weekend, so they've got a little bit more of a cushion now. Or drew on Friday, sorry. Um, and and yeah, it, it's just it, you 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 hate to see it because you're like, well, we usually only see managers leave when 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 they fail. Um, and to see that sort of happen, and I know there's a little bit of a trajectory towards the, the national team job, but yeah, it's, um, it, it gives a little bit of a, a look behind the curtain of how just complex these super clubs are and how many egos and how many different opinions there are and how important like sporting philosophy is and no one's bigger than the club and all these types of things that you have on the wall that you slap on your way out, uh, of the tunnels for games. Yeah. Jimmy, it seems to me that it's more about Hansi Flick just wants more control. He just wants to control more the 
not necessarily the day-to-day, because if you go with a national team, that's not what it is. But he wants to have more of a control, not just on the pitch, but also like selecting what he wants, doing what he wants. And I feel that at Bayern, maybe he didn't do that. And also you can think about the fact that last year, I mean, he achieved everything. You know, where do you go from here? And the third point, the German national team, I think is in a perfect opportunity to develop and do something special in a new sort of page. What do you think? I don't even know where to start with this. I'll, I'll say that the 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 statement that Bayern issued after Hansi Flick came out of this is amazing. Okay, this is what they. I'll get. I'll give you the short short version. FC Bayern disapproves of the unilateral communications, which is very German, issued by Hansi Flick, and will continue talks after the match at Mainz as agreed. I unilateral communications of Hansi Flick. This is all about control and power. There's just not even. There's not even a doubt. It's it's you. Nobody's bigger than the club. And, and I don't think Hans D. Flick, I, I'm, I don't think he's ever come out and said otherwise. It's really, there must be a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. The scary part for me is that everybody listening, if Hansi Flick can't have job security or trust after winning six trophies in one season. Who the hell can? What, what do we have? We have no chance. We've got no chance at anything. Every, like there's just no chance for anything at anybody, for anyone, ever. I guess just what? How is that even? How does it even fall apart that you wouldn't like? Hey, Hansi Flick's like, hey, I just maybe wanted to sign a few things and and sport. Like, no, 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 we don't like that player. Or we don't trust you. What, like, how does it even get to that point? I, I can't wait for the book that's written or the magazine article that's written about this, or, so I can take a deep dive into really understanding the power dynamics behind this. But this is this is uh, quite the pissing contest, and and Hansi Flick doesn't have anything to prove. He can go get any job he wants. and Anywhere. Just, yeah. And it just so works out that the ger- the job that he probably does want, the German national team is uh, looking for him. So yep. it's unbelievable. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's all about power and control. Maybe Angela Merkel will interview in a few. <laughs> Somebody needs to have complete control of that one. All right, let's keep moving here in Europe. Let's go to Serie A for a second. Um, Atalanta beating Juventus without Cristiano Ronaldo. Napoli, all they needed to do, all they needed to do was beat Inter Milan. Obviously, it was one all in that one. Uh, So Napoli remains outside of the Champions League spot. Juventus saves itself by remaining fourth. But still, though, still, it's a big deal because it's still tight, regardless of what should happen. Uh, Jimmy, thoughts on uh, Serie A this weekend, specifically Juventus and Atalanta, who are doing pretty well uh, as of late. Yeah, fair play to Atalanta, kind of a resurgence, five straight league wins to get them back into the conversation. As you mentioned, they're only two points behind AC Milan for second, currently in third, looking pretty comfortable to get that Champions League spot. Big result today, deflected goal in the 87th minute there. Juve a little bit unlucky, obviously not having Ronaldo either. What I worry about with Juve, and now that we're looking at the success that Tuchel's having with Chelsea, that was a tough decision to fire a club legend after giving him a chance at Frank Lampard. Juve might have to be in the same spot with Andrea Pirlo. Like this, he's just not ready yet. This just job was too big for him. We need somebody else that that can write this ship quickly and get everybody on on the same page. And then obviously the future of Cristiano Ronaldo is uh, on the balance as well. I assume Napoli's in, in fifth with sixty points. They're only two points behind Juve for that last Champions League spot. So things are going to get a little dicey here in the last seven games. And we're we're here for it as neutrals. Uh, Lazio did the business five three today. I, I'm pissed about that as a Roma supporter because. 
That's the last Europa League spot. They're in sixth with 58 points. Roma was up 1-0, lost to Torino 3-1, who are fighting relegation zone. What's like Roma gets to the Europa League semifinals against Manchester United and throws up a lemon in the league. I just what they have to win that competition now to qualify for the Champions League. So we'll yeah, see have to, yeah. how it goes for Roma. But yeah, obviously a little bitter as a Roma supporter. But uh it's not only Syria, I don't know if you guys want to take a little hop, skip, and a jump over to Liga, but that league is next level as well. So uh yeah, lots to talk about in Europe. Yeah, we'll, we'll go there in a second. I wanted uh, Heath. Uh, I want to ask you a question on Serie A, Heath, for for a second. Inter Milan looking good for the league. I mean, AC Milan still in second. Atalanta, as Jimmy said, doing really well in third. Do you think Juventus holds on to that Champions League spot? I mean, we're talking about Andrea Pirlo and you know Frank Lampard comparisons. At least Lampard managed the team before that. Pirlo didn't do anything. <laughs> he just showed his beautiful bearded face and says like, yeah, I want to, I want to manage. Okay. Whatever you want, Andrea, you know, do, will, will they keep it or will Napoli climb up here? It's funny because we are, uh, at least I think as uh, Americans in the U S we've been, we've had the, the wool over our eyes because we have this guy, Weston McKinney playing at Juventus. Right. And we're not thinking about the fact that Pirlo is part of the biggest failure at Juventus in a decade, right? Out against Porto in the Champions League. They're going to lose the league, potentially Champions League. They controlled most of the game, the whole game. And Atalanta, who we thought would score a bunch of goals, as they always do, uh, just waited. And they were able to get, obviously, as Jimmy mentioned, a deflection goal to, to, to beat Juventus. But Juventus were impossible to beat before. And you start to look at it and you go, what is, I mean, I was reading something recently that there was, I don't know if it was an official statement. Maybe it was just me on the wrong part of the internet reading something that was a lie, but they were talking about selling <laughs> Weston part of the internet, yeah, selling Weston McKinney. If the right offers there, if they don't like nah, they have, they uh, get the money that they have, like, uh, like literally brought in this guy, but like, you've got all these, these, these players and Weston McKinney, by the way, I do want to say this, even though they lost. When he got subbed off, they, I believe, were were winning or no, it was a draw, but they 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 were in uh, control. Yeah, they were in control, and he was doing. He was surprised me because he was again that he was driving forward with the ball for their attack. He generates so much. I don't. I still don't think he's a ten. I still don't think he's that got that final touch that you would want. Um. Uh. From you know, uh, what's his name from Atalanta that left? Um. The ten. Papa Gomez. Uh, yeah, Papu Gomez, like that, not that type of quality, but I, but is like getting involved. Like he's in the box, but it's like just him in the box now when Ronaldo's not playing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a massive failure and we're not talking about, we're like, we're talking about Juventus in the context of, will they make champions league? And I, I do think they will because they just have enough quality. I, I think it'll be a grind. But Heath, yeah. though, Heath, they have to play Milan. Yep. They have to play Inter Milan away at Sassuolo, which won't be easy away at Udinese away at Fiorentina. Uh, it's it's not going to be that easy. I mean, they have, and they have a Coppa Italia final in between them as well against Atalanta again. I'm looking at that Inter Milan game and that AC Milan game as two very, very big games. They don't get uh, three points from that and Napoli do their thing. They're not in a Champions League spot. Yeah, but I, I still think that they've got to beat one of the of the other three teams, right? AC Milan are not somebody that we can trust to, to, to wrap this up. They're on 66 points, just three points above Juventus. Atalanta are on a run of form right now, but could hit a hit a dip potentially in Napoli. So I think like it's not like they're they're fighting for the one spot. They're fighting for one of th- three three spots, right? Yeah, they're fighting for one of three spots to to finish within the league, uh, or to finish in a Champions League spot. And all those things are separated by 
what is it? Uh, four points or something. Yeah. Like nothing. The, the, the yes. point that I was trying to make though, is like their schedule is not easy. And then when you look oh, at no. Napoli's schedule, you know, with all due respect to the teams they have to face are much easier. Jimmy, quick question to you. What do you think? Is Juventus making it? They'll make it, but it'll be tight. I think it's going to go down to the last, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the last match day. I mean, that, that, Atalanta, Italia, Coppa, Coppa Italia final, excuse me, is really important. You know, they, they already won the Italian Super Cup. That's one trophy. If they can have two, it just gives Andrea Pirlo another, like, hey, listen, we're in a down year. We're in transition. You know, we're trying to get through this Cristiano Ronaldo thing. We outplayed Porto, whatever, whatever excuses he wants to bring in for that. They weren't going to win the Champions League anyway. But uh, yeah, he's got to save some face in some capacity. And so do the players, frankly. They have too much talent not to win a couple things. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to Liga, as you mentioned, Jimmy, because uh, PSG against San Etienne was absolutely insane today. Basically, the whole game was like, all right, back and forth. There's nothing really going on. And then from the 78th minute, San Etienne score. A minute later, Kylian Mbappé gets one. So it's 1-0. Then he gets another one. He gets a penalty. So it's 2-1. But then San Etienne tie in the 90 plus two stoppage time minute. And then Mauro Icardi <laughs> in the fifth minute of stoppage time saves PSG and they win 3-2. Meaning that they, you know, they retain that second spot. One point behind Lille, by the way. Just one point behind Lille, who uh, I believe their they score drew. was a draw against yeah. Montpellier. So that's yeah. big. So Liga is like crazy as well, Jimmy Conrad. So let me just read the table. Lille's on top with 70 points. PSG second with 69. Monaco, who Nico Kovac, former Barcelona, excuse me, Bayern Munich manager, uh, much maligned Bayern Munich manager. He's on charge of Monaco. 68 points for them. They've won four straight. And then uh, Lyon is, is in fourth on 67 points. My favorite part, though, is that Lyon and Lyon play next weekend. So that one is going to be popping off. One of one, one of the matches we'll be previewing. Say that sure. five times really fast. Lyon, Lyon, Lyon. I Lille. can't. I can't. <laughs> Don't. Stop. You're making it's... fun of me. But, wow. I mean, it, it really, like, all four teams have a, leg a legitimate chance of winning yeah. Liga. It's crazy. And that is crazy. It's absolutely in. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Hell yeah. You know what I'm here for? MLS Major League Soccer had its opening weekend and it ended with a bang. So let's let, let's finish. Let's conclude with MLS, Heath Pierce. And I want to just uh, I want your thoughts from the overall weekend. But I want to discuss the game that we just saw, which is L.A. Galaxy beating Inter Miami three two. Oh, that was fun. Miami humidity. David Beckham and Tom Brady were watching. Phil Neville and his nice tan. Gonzalo Higuain and Pipa Higuain bearded Higuains together. Chicha gets a brace. It was beautiful. But LA Galaxy, under Greg Vanny, by the way, went 3-2. And a really big win uh, for them for so many reasons. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think, you know, this was more than anything, more than the result for either team. This was the... And, and it's not uh, it's not a big secret. This is this was all about Chicharito, right? Mm. He he's he's matched his goal tally from last season. He, That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we were we were out. I was out in the community doing something with Chicharito recently, um, and it's actually going to be oh, announced cool. on CBS in the, in the coming weeks on on what that program is going to be. But one of the one of the coaches asked him like, "Hey, how are you feeling?" Like casually, like you know, it's like kind of the banter. The cameras are rolling. We're trying to pick up some good sound and. And they're like, yeah, well, what about are you going to actually score this year kind of thing? You know, a little bit of banter. And he's like, it just takes one. And I, I remember hearing him say that. 
and that like it just it's just going to take him one because he's like if, if you've seen his social and everything he's like really dialed in on like i need to score goals i need to i have a lot to prove to the city i have a lot to prove to major league soccer and all the critics out there and he said like i just need one once you get that one that that one it's it's going to change everything and you could see it when he got that one when he hit it you could see this relief and then if you watched him get his second one that's the Chicharito type of goal, right? Like just sort of poaching, hanging around, the ball pops out, puts it away, kind of super busy, swimming the lines constantly, just being disruptive. Uh, and as soon, especially once they switched to that formation where they had more attacking support around Chicharito. He's easy to mark out if he's going to be isolated by himself, I think. Um, but yeah, after the game, again, I was, I was still thinking to that reference of hearing him say, I just need one. And you could see this relief in his face of like, oh, Chicharito's back. You could see this like, I'm the man, I'm Chicharito, I'm this famous Mexican footballer that's got the most goals for Mexico ever. And I'm back type of like just confidence to him, but also like a little bit of relief. And I think that's it going to be a huge, I don't know if that's going to fit within Greg Vanny's plans for a style of play. I don't know what that's going to mean overall of what it's going to take to put Chicharito in good spots. But I do think uh, there was a, just a difference to him once he got that first goal. And then the second, I just think we're going to see uh, he is a streaky striker. We're going to see probably more from him than, than, than most people would expect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you make, Jimmy? I mean, I thought both of them were quintessential Chicharito. He's just uh, so good at that. But, you know, three points, uh, a good start. But Inter-Miami have something to build on, I guess. Gonzalo Wayne looks a little bit, you know, he scored a penalty. He didn't skydive it last time. Sorry. <laughs> uh, what, do you th- what do you make of it? I thought the first goal was offside for them. So oh, yeah, that's right. They start there. Yeah. Uh, ridiculously offside, and that'll be open for another discussion. But the Galaxy won the game, so I don't think they're going to be crying about it too much, but something for the referees to take a look at. There seemed to be a few things that were plaguing Inter-Miami that people thought, oh, it's the pandemic. They were an expansion team last year, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're still there under a different manager, a lot of the same players. And it's just... Yeah, some crispness, some some sharpness to their game, some ideas. I'm going to give Phil Neville the pass right now. This is his first meaningful game against not only an opponent that had some hungry players, and, and I think Chicharito was very hungry, and that's a, the best version of Chicharito that you could want. And he, to your point, uh, Luis, he did score two very Chicharito-like goals. But you got to give him that service in the box. Really important. Greg Vanny's an excellent manager. He knows what he's doing. I thought his... His changes for the Galaxy were at the right time, really gave, and, and the change in formation really uh, gave them that, that, that burst. And my Inter didn't have any, Inter Miami didn't have any answers for that. So that's something that Phil Neville's obviously going to have to figure out with his own group. You know, if, if, if what team does this, I got to do that or vice versa. And that's just going to be part of his experience. I think they're going to be competitive this year, Inter Miami. I'm not too worried overall. But yeah, when you have a 2 1 lead, you're at home. You've got Tom Brady and David Beckham and all the other VIPs he invited to come out to watch this game. It would have been nice to close it out. So I'm a little disappointed for him. But that said, I thought it was a good performance from the Galaxy. Obviously, when LAFC wins, the Galaxy needs to figure out a way to win as well because uh, those two definitely do not like each other. El Tráfico on May 8th, by the way. All right, any final thoughts from MLS uh, just as uh, everything opened this weekend, Heath? Yeah, uh, I would just say that um, most impressive for me this weekend were Sounders. Uh, Freddie Montero was fantastic again. It's been a while since I've seen him in that type of form. Uh, Seattle looked the most season ready. You know, we talked about Miami and coach, he said that my team's not 90 minutes fit yet, which is interesting um, and, and an indicator that they do have a ways to go. But Seattle looked on pace from the start, uh, which which. You know, I think instantly as, as usual. Oh, and they're playing with with two strikers uh, with Morris out. So just a different type of system uh, that's working for them. And and yeah, they look they look really good. 
Yeah, they did. Shout out to Raul Ruidias, uh, who got a brace really, really good. Jamie, any final thoughts from MLS? Of course. I want to give a shout out to my former teammates, Josh Wolf, for leading Austin FC to their first ever game. Very excited for him. Wasn't they the good, man. they wanted. Yeah, they had some good moments, and I think they have some ideas and an identity that they're trying to forge. Obviously, going up against LAFC is not necessarily a fair draw when you're getting your first ever game. It was funny to see. Uh, you know, Carlos Vela getting subbed out when he was just getting some treatment on the sideline, but they got the results anyway. And I think that LAFC have a very good team and obviously they're, they're one of the favorites for a reason, but I did want to give a shout out to the Chicago fire. We, they've been kind of the joke of the league for, for a season or two now, whether it's a logo change or any other decisions that they're making both on and off the field. And they scored two early goals. And I was like, all right, the Chicago fire really putting their flag in the ground. And then within three minutes, they gave up a goal. And then 10 minutes after that, they gave up another one. And 2-2 with the New England Revolution, who I think will quietly be very good this season under Bruce Arena. So fair play to the fire for, for still holding on, even though they gave up a two-goal lead. And and uh, I just wanted to give them a shout-out. Hey, did, did either of you guys uh, hear Bob Bradley's comments on that situation? No, talk they, about they, it. They, they put him on the headset after. They're like, talk about the Vela situation. And he was like, well, I don't know. I thought he was like putting his hands up to ask to go out. I may have gotten this one wrong. I'm not really sure. It looked like, like it was like a it was like a pretty brutally honest, like sort of like, yeah, I may have messed this one up, but it looked like he was like signaling that he needed to go out with an injury. Uh, but yeah, uh, I may have I may, he said it may have been that substitution may have been a bit premature there. I think I'm I may have gotten that one wrong. It's actually just a, it, 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 in the you know, you have to hear it in the Bob Bradley voice too, which is just a little bit more monotone, and it's just like kind of a classic way to open up a season is to sub out your best player really early on uh for for what you thought was hey at least at least at least his legs will be more fresh you know <laughs> that, can there get any more mls than that like no, that's no. just yeah. that is just too good man too good if anything, well, like, if that, if anything like that happens we always say oh that was so msl yeah because you know we've been around so long <laughs> yeah. that when we were like fly somewhere we'd be with our teams and like some some like little old lady come up Oh, what's the? It says MLS on us. They're like, what's the MSL? You know, like, <laughs> it, it says MLS. You know, it's also one of those things where, like, you All know, you need to do he, is read it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. He is your best player by far. So the moment he he shows any sort of sign, you're like, protect him, put him back in a yeah, bubble, of like wrap him up in bubble wrap, like he's done. We'll we'll say we just need him for October. That October, November, December, like just take him off and then just apologize later when he's. And, you, and Carlo, Carlos Vela was probably like, I was just sneezing, like I didn't. Know. <laughs> I didn't need anything. Find my shoe. Uh, unbelievable. All right. Any uh, final thoughts as we say goodbye? Kego Lasso weekend recap. Heath Pierce. Yeah, actually, um, Sevilla are in a title race now in La Liga. Uh, yes. With uh, Real Madrid, Drew, uh, which still keeps Atletico battered. Um, um, Who would they batter? Um, uh, it doesn't matter. They won 5-0. Uh, uh, bar. Abar, yeah, yeah, uh, but now, now Sevilla are are st like they're all within point. Like I, it's a it's a stretch, but like uh, Sevilla are in in the conversation for a top three finish too, which is kind of cool. Unbelievable, Sevilla right up in there already. Uh, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, I just wanted to say I was going to make it to La Liga as well. Talk about Real Madrid. I just they just didn't look like the Real Madrid we just saw over the last ten days. And to be fair, they had three incredible results, and so that makes sense. But yes, it makes things very exciting. And fair play to Atleti. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on them to have to go out and get a result, and I think they needed that type of win. Diego Simeone, the manager of Atleti, is always associated with these grind out one zero wins. So for them to win em emphatically five zero is a big deal, and hopefully, will give them a lot of confidence and see if they can hold off everybody uh, for the last seven games. 
Absolutely. And hey, look at this timing, everybody. The ESL statement, the European Super League statement is out. 12 of Europe's leading football clubs have today come together to announce they have agreed to establish a new midweek competition, the Super League, governed by its founding clubs, AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid, and Tottenham have all joined as founding clubs. Anticipated further three clubs will join ahead of the inaugural season intended to commence ASAP. That wow. already come out literally as we're taping. Uh, so send your thoughts Tweets, comments to Kego Lasso Pod. Uh, I'll give you guys the mic one more time if you uh, are ex- expect anything from that statement that's out as I'm taping uh, Jimmy Conrad. No, so I was listening to a lot of people that, I, yeah, they're probably smarter than me, and and they were liking <laughs> it to to the Euro League basketball system. Oh, so I didn't okay. really know anything about it. So I went on to to the Wikipedia as one does, and so I looked up, and it's it's it's. There are currently four competitions for European basketball, okay? And two are controlled. Two are controlled by EuroLeague basketball. And the other two are by FIBA, which is the FIFA of, of basketball over there. And the EuroLeague is the top. They have the Euro Cup. Those are the two EuroLeague ones. And now they, ha- they also have a Champions League that's controlled by FIBA. And the European Cup, which is probably their Europa League. So that's what I'm hearing. It's like it's, they're not going to get separated. They're going to still play domestically. They're just going to create their own Champions League. As you mentioned earlier, just to, but just to clarify, and then there'll be other ways to to get other teams to get involved and to grow it. But these are the twelve founding. That's that is bold, baby. I mean, that is bold. That's a bold strategy. Cotton, I think, is the meme that's out there. <laughs> yeah, there, yes, indeed. Uh, Heath, final thoughts. Yeah, I just don't see how you go like, okay, fifteen of you get to chill here, and then mm-hmm. five of you get to prove yourself every single year in some sort of other right. fashion where you're not allowed to like your league actually is going to ban you from going in and out of that league, but like you, we're going to bring five. It just seems really complicated. And again, um, I don't know how it comes to fruition. So um, I'd rather, I'd rather my closing thoughts be that Trinity Rodman, Dennis Rodman's daughter had an assist to Ashley Sanchez on Thursday uh, in NWSL. Otherwise the games were, were, were pretty low scoring one nil and zero zero um, throughout the late week and weekend. That's it. L- love it. Let's end it with that. Uh Lasso weekend recap, Jimmy Conrad. Thank you, brother. Thank you guys. Thank you, Heath Pierce. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're also on CBSports.com. We are also on your smart speakers. Just make sure that you play it and you say, hey, Siri. Hey, Alexa, play the latest episode of Que Golazo. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Que Golazo. Have a great beginning to your week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.